So what I've asked permission for, for my mentorship group, like knowing all like, and like posterior mediastinal expansion, I'm going to teach it in like child's pose versus inside. Like, so there's just going to be some things that I just teach a little differently. So I, you don't need like specific permission for. Right. But asked if I could use more specifics of the adduction, abduction lift test. Cause that's something I haven't covered before, but I think is really, really important. Like, and I kind of framed it as like, we're going to talk about return to running postpartum. And I really, and there's a bunch of other like protocols on the internet, like that stupid one that just came out. That's <laughs> like, can you do 10 calf raises? I and, hate that one. I hate like, it. Yeah. That's I can stupid. do those things and still have a problem. Like that's not mm, yeah. how we guide treatment. How we guide treatment is this test. Right. Right. And I also kind of preface it with like most people that have done this class or are interested in this class have also taken the primary courses. Yep. Right. So it's like, I was like, it's good. Like with people who haven't taken the primary courses, they might be confused by that to which I will also direct them back to PRI. Yeah. You know, and, and like, it's not a prereq. And I was talking about like the techniques and I was like, I recommend that everyone purchases the non-techniques manual for courses they have taken. Mm -hmm. um, and we, I will talk a little bit about like how to use that to like optim like to improve your treatments, like how to use those folders and stuff like that. Because I think, again, like if it's a mentorship, like that's what I want to mentor people on is like, how do you get better at PRI and how do you make PRI less intimidating particular for anyone, but like particularly when you're approaching people with pelvic floor problems and like, that's awesome. I like already have a few people signed up. Nice. Uh, I can't remember. I think I have four or five. That's awesome. You get one-on-one -on -one mentorship. You also have like the group there's live component. There's like a recorded component and I'm like, kind of restructured it to be over a longer period of time if used properly it has the capacity to really change your entire career mm -hmm. right and so like people who have really used it to the most like its highest potential so like there's a pt in i don't know where she is exactly somewhere in the midwest she's like she doesn't look at anybody the same way, has now taken like a bunch, couple of PRI classes and is going to start her own business because she feels like now she has like the confidence to say like, I'm different than what's available in my area and is like going to go for it. And then like another one in Michigan, she did. She like started her whole business like based around how now she looks at things differently. And I'm like, that that value that's you know valuable mm -hmm. and that I always email them like I get like probably one or two emails a week from like various people who have taken it mm -hmm. about like cases or questions and I like I always answer them and I always like respond and so I think that's like worked into like that process and that <clears throat> I don't want any more than 10 people really in it and so mm -hmm. you can like give that focused attention so hi and welcome to the don't beat around the bush podcast i'm addie holzman and i'm Haley kava we're friends pelvic floor physical therapists moms and occasional hot messes 
who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they are likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. And our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. The world record for longest pee is 508 seconds. Do you think that's possible? How many minutes is that? Eight? Why is that even a documented thing? That's like seven, almost seven minutes. What is the world record for holding your poop? That's terrible. This can't be it. 11 days? Is that it? You would like die. (laughs) 264 hours or 11 days in 1965 a 17 year old so today we're going to talk about urge incontinence is that right or just yeah well i was just like they must have really good urge suppression yeah (laughs) if you're holding your point do we tip over from then those like the stretch receptors inside of that bladder are just like okay, we're going to turn off because we can't deal with this anymore. And then like those long peas, like if you're going over, I mean, if you're going minutes of like a steady stream, which I seriously, how is that even possible? Without getting like a kidney infection or... Right. Something. (laughs) Totally off topic. Um, I just got a vibrating pelvic wand. Ooh, mine's purple. How'd you yeah. get a blue one? I don't even know. Um, what that so they sent me an email, like, I don't know, at the beginning of the year. And we're like, hey, like, thanks for, you know, sharing what you share on Instagram. We see you're getting close to 50K. Like, we'd love to do like a giveaway with you when you hit 50,000 followers. Is there anything else we could like get you? Or do you need like equipment wise? And I was like, well, I have dilators. I have uh, a pelvic wand, but I don't have a vibrating pelvic wand. And I would love one. And so um they sent it nice I, like, I love that like i love showing patients um that like intimate rose balm the um balm it's like salve of some kind um but i find it's really helpful postpartum um for just like that if that skin is irritated or there's a tear that's healing so then- i have the cbd's suppositories mm-hmm. what do you i haven't tried them because i don't need them also random and it, it does correlate with pelvic floor but i pr'd my deadlift last thursday so it was a week ago right we had sex on monday and my pelvic floor was still so fucking tight like i could feel like the side walls and i never really i don't really have painful sex ever I mean, except when I had like prolapse and like pubic joint pain, but it's been a hot minute. Holy moly. I'm like, how do people do this every time? (laughs) This is terrible. I almost got one of those suppositories. (laughs) Well, maybe that's like a good protocol is like post heavy deadlift. Oh my gosh. Pop some CBD in there and like chill the F out. I don't know how people like, I couldn't even like get into it because I was just like, this just feels like I'm just gripping the shit out of your penis right now (laughs) and I'm not trying to we had to like get the wedge out we haven't had to use the wedge in like 
probably years. And that's not even helping. Like it does not, it was crazy. So I'm mm-hmm. like, how many of these athletes are having very tight intercourse? Um, CBD, would you, here's a like a professional ethical question. Mm-hmm. Would you, so I have samples. They sent me samples. Would you give those to clients? Sure. Why not? I don't know. I don't know enough about them. I guess that's my hesitation. Like, what are the contraindications? Who wouldn't you give that to? Like, how does it work? Like how, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, And then I always think of that one OB that we're not super fans of just shitting all over something like that. And I'm like, well, is it a gimmick? Does it really work? I don't really know. I've never tried it. Is there any harm in giving it to clients that have painful sex? So, I don't know. I think I would like read the label and look at like, what is the pH of this thing? What is the, what are the ingredients? Yeah. I would say yes with caveat. What are the ingredients? What is the pH? What is the osmolality? Like what's in here? And if it doesn't jive with other things that I would put in, in there or around there, then I wouldn't recommend it or use it. I had the um uh hyaluronic acid like um company like a vaginal moisturizer company sent me something and they wanted me to create some content like paid the ingredients were shitty and so i was just like no no thanks and i asked for information that they should have readily available like the ph and the osmolality and things that are available like or they said they couldn't provide but when i go to good clean loves website and they have a similar product that's hyaluronic acid product for vaginal moisturizing and all of that's readily available all the ingredients all of those stats i can pull it up in two seconds i'm gonna keep referring to that Mm -hmm. because they have the transparency that i want you're, mm-hmm. I don't care. You're going to pay me a thousand dollars to make a fucking 30 second video. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not good. And it's going to harm people. It has the potential to harm people. Does it also have the potential to do good? Sure. But, um, it, but for some people that's not going to be good. And I'm not, I'm not going to put my face on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then going back to ur- <laughs> urgent continence. <laughs> Back circle, back. Back. circle back circle back circle what back what is urge incontinence so urge incontinence is when you get a strong urge to go pee and you can't make it to the bathroom in time and you pee before you make it to the bathroom so I feel like clarifying this a little bit because I was talking to a client and she's like well, yeah, I'll have like leaking if I hold it five or six hours. And I'm like, uh, yep, yep. You shouldn't be holding it that long. Right. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so like anybody is going to have incontinence if they hold their pee long enough, right? Like there's going to be a point where your bladder is just can't yeah. stretch anymore and you're going to be incontinent. However, it shouldn't be an on-off kind of thing. It should be like... I tell my kids, like, 
specifically Elsie, like Elsie, your bladder like whispers to you like, hey, you might want to think about a bathroom when it gets what is it like a third of the way full or whatever and then every urge is just like a little bit stronger a little bit stronger a little bit stronger and we want to be able to suppress those initial urges if need be or if like appropriate but um the first urge shouldn't be like screaming in your ear right like i have to go and that the first urge shouldn't be screaming in your ear out of nowhere when you've just gone to the bathroom right Mm -hmm. and i think Mm -hmm. the like classic is is something that is when that urgency is triggered by an external factor Mm -hmm. like running water or like getting your key in the door where it's like there were no other urges leading up to this one and this one was super intense and i couldn't ignore it Mm -hmm. um is a sign of of some definite dysfunction and then if you're like you're going to the bathroom and it's like you know significantly less than that eight to ten seconds where like your bladder wasn't really full but it was telling you that it was really full um if it was less than like you know or habitually less than that two hour mark kind of looking at the full scope versus like one instance and getting kind of your normal I have a client who, if she goes through a certain door in her house, like the front door, she gets urge. But if she goes in like the garage door after a walk, she's fine. Just being in her kitchen encourages that urge versus like being in her parents' kitchen. She's fine. So there is a lot of habits that go along or can coincide with urge and urge incontinence but it's interesting to like think about where you are what you're doing and like what the triggers are and then if you switch those up can you better control it yeah it's break so your habit wild how habitual and how like mentally connected those sensations are um and the first tip which sounds so stupid. I know how dumb it sounds and I'm sure you agree. The first thing I tell people is like, pause and tell your bladder you're in control. Yeah. (laughs) And like, when I tell people that, like they're they're just kind of look at me like, are you serious? And I'm like, no, really, like just try it. And I swear like 80% of the people come back and they're like, oh my gosh, that really does work. I'm like, I know. (laughs) So, So Bobby has more urgency issues than I do like I or like frequency and and like I I tend to be camel I tend to hold my pee way too long and drink well and partially because I drink far too little water <laughs> but like I would easily go a whole work day at Sand Hills no peeing yeah like I would pee in the morning and I'd pee when I get home and it might like hurt if I held it all day when I peed when I got home but like I just I'm not good at noticing and so or like if we were on a long drive like i will i could drive six hours no no stopping (laughs) yeah yeah and so um so but bobby will like well we drove up to like duluth it's just a couple hours and like needed to stop and i'm like so i went to school did you see scholastica i think so the castle it -hmm. looks like a castle yeah so we he had to stop to go pee and i was like Bobby, you need to talk to your bladder and you need to say, bladder, it's okay. 
shut the fuck up (laughs) i can go a little longer until we need to stop and i'll tell the boys that too like okay just talk to your bladder and you tell it you can you can make it we can hold it till we get home Uh and let's do some breathing and and so anytime I'm like, we're out somewhere. I'm like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. And he's like, it's okay, bladder. You can do me. <laughs> I love it. I love so, it. So I'm like, um, well, you would make fun of me if you didn't try it and it, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. It's like sometimes the simple things that, and then of course, that's not always like all that you need like teaching kind of like that position of urge suppression inhaling into the butt so the front of the pelvic floor can get in a better position mm-hmm. um for sphincter control and even like just back or side body breathing just disperse that pressure to offload a little bit can be really helpful and then mm-hmm. trigger points you know if there's mm-hmm. like tension in the pelvic floor that you have to like work on yeah and I think also thinking about like again like we talked about like the brain and the nervous system that's connected to those positions and connected to those tendencies of tension in the back of the pelvic floor and over lengthening the front of the pelvic floor and so the treatment maybe equally as like getting release of that tension and getting hamstrings to help you reposition your pelvis but also repositioning your nervous system right because I think if someone's nervous system is like hanging out at like a five right then you get this urge to go and your your hands are full at the door it's easier to send that person's nervous system to a nine than it is if that nervous system's hanging out at a two all the time we get a little spike of urgency that spikes up to like six then it's a it's a little easier to turn that back around Mm mm-hmm then versus when we're living up at that that heightened level all the time. And I mm-hmm. think that often goes along with there being less trigger points. That goes along with there being mm-hmm. more balance in those muscles. Working on all of that being essential. But I think what's cool about PRI and it's cool about how we approach things is that those two worlds aren't mutually exclusive. Mm-mm right? You like can't those have one two things are blended. So yeah. when you, when you get an activity that helps you get into a better alignment, that's also supporting your nervous system. I have a, a couple, I actually have a couple of patients right now who are really big on like asking me why we're doing exactly what we're doing. And sometimes, like sometimes with those people, I'll just give them a, like a balloon and I'll be like, just sit here and blow up this balloon for a little while. Cause we need to like dial down. what is this doing i'm like well chilling you you out do you want the answer that's really mad or do you want the physiology answer the physiology answer is that it's strengthening um your internal obliques which is helping your diaphragm relax which helps stimulate your vagus nerve which calms you down when your brain never turns off when you're always looking for an answer you're always looking for a response you're always looking for an explanation doing those types of techniques and doing these types of techniques help to turn our brain and our mouth off. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and that's sure. therapeutic mm-hmm. and that we all need that. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, you can definitely get vibes from people of like who needs to have some vagal, vagal activity. Thinking about like how neurologic um, urination is to like just the 
basic concepts of when there's tone in the pelvic floor, the bladder should be relaxed. And when the bladder starts to like contract it, you know, when you're voiding, the bladder is active where the pelvic floor relaxes. So there's this inverse relationship there. Mm-hmm. And so if you're positioned in a way that is lengthening that anterior pelvic floor and preventing that support in the efficiency mm-hmm. of it to shut off the the bladder wanting to contract, sometimes... And I I would argue like quite often I see that like once we get the muscles in a better position to work or the pelvis and hips in a better position, rib cage, all of that, they don't get as much urgency because those muscles have to like play against each other. And so Mm -hmm. if the bladder is winning, you're losing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think and I think in traditional pelvic floor thinking, we don't think about, we think about the pelvic floor as a whole one piece versus mm-hmm. it being sort of multiple parts. Mm-hmm. And, and so the common sort of advice when urgency comes on is to squeeze the pelvic floor and that because the contraction of the pelvic floor is going to inhibit contraction of the bladder, right? Because of the thought being that that urgency is coming from the bladder the detrusor muscle, the bladder muscle from contracting. Maybe true because it does need to go or fall asleep because it's irritated or we've trained it that way. And so the PRI thought process or the sort of global thought process is that maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's not the case, right? Maybe it's not that those pelvic floor muscles are black or uh, need activation to inhibit that bladder is that they actually need repositioning, reorientation um, in order to function optimally and be able to communicate appropriately with the bladder and the pelvic floor. Yeah, so then you think of those people that don't have the urge and they just leak, like not mm-hmm. even with coughing or sneezing, but just like like leaking randomly. I'm starting to think like, oof, we really need to get that anterior pelvic floor in a position where it can do anything right Mm -hmm. (laughs) anything Mm -hmm. at all um because there's not enough tone in that those muscles to shut off the bladder and the bladder just kind of wants to go and then pressure issues and stuff like that too but i have a yeah i have it makes me think of a a virtual client who has is continuing to see her in-person pt but keeps being told that she has zero out of five contraction, okay? Does not have incontinence, mild, with like running or jumping, but not leaking pee all the time. Mm -hmm. Has very painful intercourse, lots of pubic symphysis pain, lots of back Mm -hmm. pain, and like a big diastasis. Mm -hmm. And to which I go, okay, hold on. Is it that that pelvic floor can't contract or is, is it that it's so far on stretch there? It, it's not capable of that. And then is it that that posterior pelvic floor, the coccygeus is so short, so overactive that it's really cranking on all of that. And that when we assess it in a really traditional way, 
it assesses weak. It mm-hmm. assesses as a zero. To which I go, that's not possible. <laughs> right? If we think right. like zero, we all went to PT school. A zero is like, can't facilitate. It's dead. We have like flaccid paralysis is, is zero. That's not what you're feeling. There's mm-hmm. like, unless that person has a neurological disorder or they, you, you think they have flaccid paralysis of their pelvic floor, you ought to be calling the hospital and sending them. So in that case, we put a wedge under their pelvis, tell them to yeah. get some abs and hamstrings on, reach to the ceiling, close their rib cage and see if that improves. And I guarantee you, you assess that person rectally, you're not even going to get in. <laughs> you're not even going to be able to assess rectally. Okay. Just just pause for a minute. Do you know Matt uh, Belisai? Uh, he used to do like the wine. He's a comedian. Oh, he yeah, yeah, like yeah, wine. Yeah, yeah. He, I just saw this reel he did about single ply toilet paper. <laughs> And he was like just ranting at Target for selling the single ply toilet paper. And he was like, I assure you, if I wipe with this, there's at least two fingers going in. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I don't care about the sewage system. Like, I need my butthole clean. (laughs) He was just like, I would be better off going outside and spreading my cheeks and letting the wind wipe the ears. <laughs> it's really, it's really funny. Oh my gosh! Sorry, I thought... that's a, that's so funny. <laughs> so, anyway, back to yeah, no single plot, but like, yeah, like again, I've been do I've been like doing more rectal assessment and treatment than I have um in a long time. How's that going? I'm curious. Good. You haven't told like, me this. <laughs> so I have two patients who have really significant um, like clitorodynia and like pudendal neuralgia mm-hmm. and they can't tolerate vaginal assessment, but they can tolerate rectal because, and we're working more on those like posterior outlets. It's not, we're not really hitting on where they're so sensitive Mm-hmm. like on those obturators and the obturator foramen and um, where pudendal nerve comes through. And so it allows us to be able to do some release work without it flaring symptoms so badly. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And not that I do a ton of internal, like I'm not doing this at every session, but sometimes when we've needed maybe like a little boost, mm-hmm. um, definitely doing that more and the key is really being like tons and tons and tons of lube, like a ridiculous amount of lube and hip inside lying and then hip shifting. It's money. Like it's really good. Nice. Um, hip shifting and then like reaching and um, getting on like a glute max. So <clears throat> if you're Wait, treating- During a rectal assessment? So if you're treating, assessment. you're treating the bottom, le- if you're treating the left and the left is on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Then you have mm-hmm. to do a right glute max. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's amazing that that posterior outlet will shut off. Sweet. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of funny that we're talking about urge control and there's a sign on your wall that I'm pretty sure says control. It says calm, confident, and in control. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is like the theme. That's kind of the theme of this podcast right now. 
yeah. home, home. Stay <laughs> confidently home. go to the bathroom mm-hmm. <laughs> and stay in control. Yeah. So when I was in the office in Southern Pines, I would change that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I would change what it said every once in a while. Um, and then when I was pregnant with Robert, I'd listen to like tons of like track, like hypnobirthing tracks and um, like affirmations. And like one of, one of the affirmations was like, I'm calm, confident and in control. And I like, just like was one that connected with me. <laughs> That's <laughs> so awesome. I, love I changed it. it and then I haven't, I can't find the little letter. So I can't change one of those. It's just permanently. That is the theme. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, I think that's like, so, uh, I don't know. It's like something that I try to embody in that, yeah, there's no need to panic really much about anything. We can stand confidently in what we know and we can maintain sort of control of a situation, but we can do that with also being flexible. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think in order to be flexible, you need all of those things. Mm-hmm. Like in order to adapt to all sorts of different circumstances, you do need to be calm, <laughs> but you also need to have confidence and some control. And it's like this idea of like a willow tree, right? It's like it it moves a lot. There's a lot of forces that act on this thing, but it doesn't fall down. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's sort of a not relevant piece. <laughs> if you don't bend, you break, right? Right, exactly. And and sort of building that, res- that's what we want our pelvic floors to do. Like, I don't, I don't care what someone's pelvic floor strength is. Truly, I often like barely test it. I'll be like, squeeze. Okay, great. So I know that there's activation there. If it doesn't test strongly, I I really don't care if it, what I care more about is, can it respond to the the breathing, right? Can it respond to expansion? Sometimes what I like to do is if someone comes in and they're dealing with urgency and they ask to go to the bathroom before their session. <laughs> no, no. Here and stay in control. <laughs> no, or, no, you have to hold your pee. Or when, I'll, no, I'll ask, when was the last time you peed? Five minutes ago. <laughs> and if they peed right before they left the house, I'll go, I'm not giving you the key to the bathroom yet. Uh- <laughs> let's try some things and see what happens let's see how you feel can we can we move on from this and 90 percent of the time they're like oh yeah i don't really have to go (laughs) but i think it's like that habit and that being able to show them lots of different ways that they can make that happen right that um not just again the typical the typical urge suppression being do calf raises, squeeze your pelvic floor, um, pause, talk to your bladder. And I, I believe in all of those. I believe in all of those things. But also, what about getting onto your left heel and feeling your left inner thigh engage? And, or putting your back up against the wall and getting both of your inner thighs and, and your abs to activate. I like being able to show people that in real time because that also gives it some more power too. I'm trying some hypopressives to fix my core. What do you, are you saying that to trigger me or? Yes, and I can't even keep a straight face. <laughs> I thought you were serious. I was, if there was a video of this, there would be this, you would pause the video on my face. I'd be like, 
It'd be a big like zoom in to how your eyes popped out of your head. Oh. No, so- <laughs> you scared me. That was great. Don't scare me like that. I so this is a segue into a recommendation that we talk about hypopressives because a client of mine sent me like she's like all these these kind of videos are coming across my Instagram and I think I know what you have to say about it but can you guys talk about this on the podcast and I'm like yes yes we can and so and she's like yeah I tried it because she's like very postpartum and she's like it didn't feel great so I'm just gonna stick with our PT exercises I'm like good plan yeah <laughs> so great I, I, the biggest thing is the rib lifting and mobility. I feel like that's so short-sighted because uh, you're getting zero back expansion if you are flaring your ribs forward. What? Ha- so what I want to know is, so when you exhale, your diaphragm moves up and it's to, into its relaxed position. When you do a false inhale, the the like vacuum part, what the diaphragm is now dropping back down. I'm like right? trying to do it. I can't even do it. It's probably so a good I thing. Have, I have, pl- have I told you that my story about this? I don't so think so. The two, so uh, I was auditing this postpartum program. They were looking for an endorsement. Obviously, they didn't do this. Um, <laughs> but part of it was like this hypopressives part at the end of the program. And so I was like, I'll do the workouts. Like, let me do these these last two weeks of these workouts. And so I did this like hypopressives workout. I was like able to do it. It like Oh, that's right. Neck. And your back or neck went out. My or neck. Well, my neck was so sore after because like trying to help me breathe because that's not normal breathing mechanics. Then I was walking with Robert to the park and he was on his little bike and I was like bending to um, help him. And I like put my back out, which I literally have not done since 2015 when I started doing PRI and I used to do that monthly probably so it was like very triggering like very upsetting and had to call Bobby to come get me because I couldn't like I couldn't catch I couldn't like hold on to Robert I couldn't like he yeah it was bad so then over Christmas I was at my parents and I like was like, you know what? I was just like messing around in their little gym. And I was like, let me see if I, if that was a fluke. Like, let me see if maybe something else caused my back to do that. So I did it again. Not the same thing, but same idea. Literally the next day, not as bad as the last time, but almost as bad. Gosh. Yeah. Why would and you train like, yourself for never doing breathing patterns? I don't get that. Like, why would you train that also if you're not inhaling but trying to inhale that's putting a lot of stress on your back with your diaphragm and then your pelvic floor when you look at images of people doing it i feel like wouldn't that make your diaphragm and pelvic floor desynchronous yes it's not good like it's not how it's supposed to work this is not something this is not a strategy we can call upon are you gonna do this when you're lifting 200 pounds Right. And so for, so the example she gives in that video about well, like Olympic weightlifter or bodybuilder, it's not weightlifters doing this. It's bodybuilders doing this to, as a performance thing. Like aesthetics, like not yeah, function. Yeah, it's an aesthetic thing. And then look at like, so look at this freaking image. 
that neck i just don't get it it's not good i literally try day after day after day to get people to shut their fucking ribs why would i want to then teach them how to flare them right i need to find it oh this is another good one like look at this neck our scm muscles our scalenes are not breathers they should not be breathing for us well when your diaphragm can't move because you just exhaled and then you're not letting it inhale with like normally you have to use your neck you're like training neck breathing look at this neck like no it just doesn't make any sense to me where the fuck do you think those organs are going where are those organs going where are the organs going tell me what is the goal aesthetics well people use it for prolapse apparently which i still don't understand it i think it's a fucking patriarchal scam because it makes you look skinny it's like ultimate sucking in because tell me where it says that having a low belly bulge is bad for you in any way like again you don't have to have a flat stomach to have a functional core i'll Mm -hmm. I'll die on that that thing Mm -hmm. but because this visually makes your stomach look flat well and and they're apparently targeting like postpartum recovery with this stuff which is a little bit concerning. Well, like being in prolapse, they think like, oh, this is really good for prolapse. It's like low, they call it low pressure fitness. First, this is not fitness. Holding your breath like this is not going to improve your fit, your cardiovascular fitness or any type of other fitness. So no, because you're not using this movement for fitness. In fitness, anything. Right. It's not functional. So, so first of all, no. Second of all, you tell me this is low pressure. Tell me, again, tell me where the fuck the diaphragm is. Tell me where the fuck the organs are. Because. I feel like that uh, would be really high pressure. If you're sucking in that much, like, so decrease volume equals increased pressure. If you're sucking in your stomach that much, you have to increase your pressure. Like, I need a better picture of this. That's big. But like, okay, so let's, this one's not bad. Okay. So there's a, uh, a shit ton of organs that need to go in here. Where are they going? If you are pretending to inhale and your diaphragm's coming down, they're not going up and they're not here where they're supposed to be. These pelvic organs live in your pelvis. So you're smashing all that shit down. Yeah. It, I don't like anything about it. Nothing. I don't like anything about it. You can't, you can't convince me. Like seriously, just doing like two tries of that, like weird exhale, pretend inhale. Like I'm already well, like, feeling nothing, crappy. So like, like that. Sure. Like my stomach sucks in. That aesthetically looks flatter. Is well, fucking flatter better? No, it's not fucking better. Because the rib cage flaring up on an exhale, because you're in an exhaled state, isn't better. I just, I don't know how people can get behind this. I'm so confused. I don't think I get con- This out of like all the things is the most confusing to me. I can't justify anything about it okay i have a theory i think it's encouraging people to exhale all the way out so that's probably the first time people have maybe ever done that if they're doing that they're probably not exhaling all the way out right so and then they're just breathing and they're conscious of how their rib cage kind of moves but which changes the way they like it maybe changes a pattern which is maybe where they feel slightly better or something. But I hate it. (laughs) 
I would be curious. I would be curious. Take all the shade away. If anyone has felt better doing this or has a different outlook on it, I would love to hear it just so that I can like well, wrap my mind around the most, it. This is a stretch. So I accept that I could have a, I could have this for PRI. I don't think so because you can't convince me of anything else. <clears throat> but the su- idea of like a sunk cost fallacy. So you've invested in taking this course. You've invested in taking this class. And so because of that, you are going to like what you hear and want to use this information because you've invested in that. Okay. I don't feel like that about the pelvic floor. <laughs> I don't feel like, like that about anything. Four things I've bought. Right. No, I agreed. I agreed. <laughs> because it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work better than what I already am using. But I think when people are struggling to treat something, and then this person says, oh, hyperpressives is going to help all your patients with diastasis and prolapse. Those are difficult people to treat. Shit, I'm in. And without thinking, like that, without thinking, how you would convince me of hyperpressives being effective, which I'm open to, and I would maybe even attempt, but I'm too scared to hurt my back, (laughs) (laughs) is... Do hyperpressives, check position, do hyperpressives, check position again, okay? Then have a patient do that as their program and see, does that, what does that do to their position? And then make sure that you have like a cranial sacral or dentist on board to fix some TMJ. (laughs) Those SCMs, man. Uh, Not funny. That's not not good. That's (laughs) not good. Yeah, not something I'm going to invest my energy into learning, I don't think, because no, I, I just I, don't see any value. No, I wouldn't take that class because I would have to travel home after and I would be in pain. You know what I would like in a perfect world to be able to sit in on other people's treatments with like PTs who have a different mindset and see objectively if it actually works. So we all have our own biases. We all have our own, like, you know, and so like, and also I don't think people are going to really tell you often the negative feedback. Like they're just not going to come back. So I feel like we hear the good stuff because they're going to tell us like, oh yeah, this feels really good or this worked or that worked. But we don't hear, like everyone's, probably got negative stuff about something that they're doing treatment wise but you never hear about that stuff because that that would kind of like ruin the relationship right i i I mean i definitely have times where a patient comes back and something is aggravated by yeah potentially something i gave them right 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 and so but i feel like i always can be like okay let's see how this makes sense in context yeah. Like, what What did we do? What did we jump ahead too far on? How can we, how can we remedy this? But I feel like a lot of PTs that I talk to is like, they don't, we don't really know how to remedy the problem if we created it or mm-hmm. even, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I would just like, I, I know it's part of that, like self-reflecting and trying to be as unbiased as we can, but I would like to know sometimes. Sometimes I'm just like, can you just like tell me the good and the bad? Just be really honest. Just like spill it all. And I love, 
when they're willing to do that because we all have like things to work on and I, you know, but Mm -hmm. yeah, getting feedback. The real question is like, is he really helping people or does he have just such a persistence to like meagle his way into like the pelvic health like i don't know what she didn't explain the context of what they were doing but must have been where she did a movement and had pain say it was like a hinge okay so now in your treatment you go oh try to stick your butt out try to tuck your tail under try try this try this try this and then all of a sudden they are just like oh that feels good there but you have no appreciation you don't know why like with me, I do that all the time, but I know why I'm doing what I'm yeah, doing. Exactly. So like all he's doing is breaking patterns, but he doesn't know how he's breaking them. Right. And there's a more systematic way to get there. And there's a more efficient way to get there. 100%. Yeah. And there's a more effective way to like be able to explain why it worked and like to take that concept and and use it in different things, um, mm-hmm. not just that one movement. Right. Oh boy. Mm. Okay. So calm, confident, and in control. Ah, the three Urgency. C's for P's. <laughs> the three C's for P's. The three C's for our P. So <laughs> the other thing I like to talk about with urgency is bladder irritants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you are drinking a shit ton of coffee, sparkling water, soft drinks oh i forgot my beer in the car i better get that out before i pick the kids up another bladder (laughs) bladder alcohol and and it's hard cider so it's probably worse than actually beer yeah so it doesn't mean that these things are all off the table it just means we have to be conscious of our fluid intake and making adjustments to fluid intake aka drinking more water can get rid of your area of urgency. You can communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions, comments, concerns, topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page, Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast, as well as our email account, which is Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please subscribe comment and share all the bushy love it's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by addy and myself (laughs) and our music is provided by blockhead cool you have a client uh i gotta i I don't i don't have to leave here till one for a little bit but let me have swimming oh my gosh robert robert was like I feel like Robert was chill when he was younger. <laughs> but it's like the now, trick. <laughs> now he's like crazy. He's like wild. We we got rid of all of our step stools because he kept getting on the counter. Yeah. And then like grabbing knives and like but he now likes to climb on top of our kitchen table and jump off. Oh my gosh. Like on the onto the floor. Like yeah he's just he sprints everywhere he can open the door at daycare so like when we go in he'll sprint down the hall to the other door and open it and run out like oh my gosh 
he just it's gonna give me a heart attack like <laughs> he's just so busy like he's just so non-stop um yes you need to take a little snooze before I you do. pick up i'm so tired up. yeah know your bush love your bush <laughs> share, share the, the bushy love, love. 